and I'm here with today's guest, uh, Carter Ferguson. As always, what we do every week, I am just going to hand it over to Carter, let him introduce himself and tell you a wee bit about why he's here. Yeah, my name is Carter Ferguson and I'm a professional fight director working in television and film, usually in Scotland, not always, but usually in Scotland. And I'm also the host of a podcast called Film Pro Productivity. So tell us a wee bit about the podcast, because that is what you're here to talk about today. Uh, well, the show's been running since September of 2017, and it's aimed at film professionals and other creatives, basically. But I tried to make the content broad enough that it'll be interesting to really anyone, any member of the public, any random person that happens to come across it, and that it'll have advice and information in it that'll be useful to really any listener. Not every episode is exactly like that. Some are a little bit more niche, but generally it's um, open to all. So anyone can listen to it. You don't have to be in the film industry. It's it's open to just... Like a business person could listen to it and get advice. Yeah, well, the, 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 the premise of the show is that I take... Uh, productivity advice to help you become kind of like your intro um, more e- efficient and effective um, in uh, in your work, whatever that work may be. But I take these uh, these pieces of advice from the business and lifestyle worlds and I introduce them to film professionals and creative people. That's kind of where I'm coming from with it. So why this subject? Why productivity? Well, um, I've had my own ups and downs in life myself. And it's not until you have the burnout time that you start looking for ways, really, that you can make your life easier. And when I was kind of recovering from, effectively, what they used to call a nervous breakdown, um, I started looking at all these techniques and things to see how I could um, avoid stress, specifically in my own life, so that I could proceed with my career past that point. And I just found a whole load of information there which I found very fascinating. I became a real productivity junkie or productivityist, I think they're called as well. And I thought, why why did nobody tell me this beforehand? So the reason I push it out there for creative professionals is so that hopefully some people that are listening to it, and I have been getting feedback that it is working this way, but that some people that are listening to it will be taking it on board and making their own lives easier and avoiding that situation that I fell right into. I'm a great one for falling into traps in professionally, uh, getting scammed or just doing things in a way which is not very efficient and certainly not effective. So I tried to find these productivity techniques that would work for me and I wish I'd known before and present it to new professional people or really, as I say, anyone that's listening so that they can make their lives easier. Yeah, why why did you want to do a podcast? What made you think I would like to put this out as a podcast that helps people? Well, it's not the sort of thing that had ever occurred to me. In fact, although I work in film, I'm really not great at audio. I'm better now though, and so I, I always had a bit of an interest in audio. But I was doing a gig, a fight job up on Sky, and uh, I had I didn't really know what a podcast was. I know now, but I didn't know then. I think a lot of people don't really know. And I realised that as I was driving up, I was getting really patchy radio listening uh, options and my CD collection, was, uh, which still got a CD player in the car, was starting to sound a little bit 
kind of I've heard that before. So I thought, what are these podcast things? And I started downloading podcasts. And, and obviously, the way podcasts work is they you download them to your phone and then you listen back to them. You can listen to them as they stream. But for me, that was going up the West Coast, I was losing signal so often that that wasn't an option for me. So because I was doing these big drives, you know, these four and a half hour drives up and down to Sky. I really got into the podcast format and realised that um, it was inspiring me and it was uh, it was filling it was just giving me a whole load of learning that that otherwise I wouldn't have had. So as I was driving, I was learning new stuff and uh, my mind was expanding as I heard new opinions and things like that. And I realised that it was just a very very powerful like radio that we're doing here. It's very very powerful because you're getting into people's heads directly. And certainly I've found in the audience uh, feedback, when you look at the demographic of the audience, I'm getting random people in the street listening to it, but I'm also getting executive producers of uh, television shows that are listening to it as well and they're feeding back to me that they're enjoying it. So I, I didn't know that at the time that I went into it, but I just decided that because I enjoyed it, it was something I wanted to do and I thought it was something that, that was a good way to get to film professionals the information that I think would help them because we're all sometimes travelling in the morning quite long distances to random places, fields in the middle of Scotland or Perthshire somewhere. And these drives in the morning, it's kind of nice to have uh, a little bit of information getting into your head at the same time. I think I don't know if that makes sense, no, but it, uh, it just makes the drives a little bit easier. And you really feel positive when you get to a film set instead of just tired and, oh, that's been a hard drive because you've actually had your mind engaged in something interesting. I don't know if I went way off piece no, no, there. No, no, that's, uh, <laughs> no. What, what podcasts do, do you listen to? Like, what were you listening to? That uh, I was listening to a marketing podcast <laughs> this morning, um, which... Which is a, I've just recently listed, started listening to marketing things because I've got a podcast. I need to make make it available to people to listen and stuff like that. And I don't really have a I don't have a clue about marketing really. I've got some opinions, but I think they're just based on um, some rather iffy information and, and experiences. So I'm learning from this. I can't remember the name of it. I can look it up on my phone if I'm allowed to take my phone out. Um, I have been listening. The very first show I listened to was called the, the Dave Bullis Podcast, which is a filmmaking podcast. It's an interview show. And what I should say is my show is a solo show. At least it is at the moment. I'm going to be doing some interviews in season four, which is coming up at the end of March. But uh, most of the podcasts that I've been listening to are interview shows like this one that I'm on at the moment. Where um, the this Dave Dave Bullis was the very first podcaster that I listened to. He would find filmmakers from all over the world, and he'd interview them. And you'd find information about how to make films and their experiences, good and bad. And that was that was really really interesting. But Dave's actually he he's going to end his show at the end of this year. I don't really know why. I've asked him why. I've not found out yet. But his show's got like two hundred and forty episodes in it. I think if this is going out just before New Year, you've maybe got a day or two <laughs> to listen to his <laughs> show before it comes down. To get um, listening, yeah. yeah. So, and it's, I should I should chuck in. Sorry, the Stephen Rowan show. Stephen helped me produce my first couple of episodes. He's an awesome guy, and he's a Scotland-based podcaster, and he's got some great content as well. So you should check that one out. How much we we spoke a wee bit about your subjects and stuff, but how much it is your opinion, and how much is research? It's about 50-50. The, the topics that I choose are ones that I think would help me or have, or have already helped me or that I've tripped over along the way. So I go looking for subjects that I already think I can talk about 
but then because I'm a solo show and I can't rely on a guest raising stuff to keep it interesting and keep it fresh, I really have to do some very, very serious research on shows in order to deliver them as, in, in effect, what they are, although I don't like to describe them this, are kind of lessons. Yeah. So and they're, they're, they're structured lessons. You know, I'll do an intro, then I'll do a, a kind of, this is an experience I had kind of situation where I'm letting the audience in on why I'm bringing it up. And then I'll go into a, some sort of lesson. And I use a lot of quotes in there. And the lesson part of it is reasonably scripted, and the quotes are certainly. I have to. I have to not only look up the quotes. I need to verify them as well. What I've been finding recently is that you can't trust, as as Abraham Lincoln once said, you can't trust everything you read on the internet. <laughs> and uh, what I'm finding is some quotes that I have attributed to certain people. I then discover, and th- your audience will always tell you when you're wrong that they're actually from something else entirely. I think I, I had a quote which was from I don't know. Ronald Reagan or something like that I had attributed to Harry Potter <laughs> so people will pull you up on that but yeah it's it's about 50% me trying to explain why I'm bringing it to to the people and actually how it, how it's affected me and then 50% research but then I try and interpret the research as well and I try I wish I had time to read 20 uh, articles or books on the topic and then give, give a yeah a level accurate description of what's going on. But the reality is I'll maybe dip into two or three different um, internet researched um, articles on the subject and then interpret from those ones what which what parts I think work, which parts are more important, and I'll maybe leave out some of the, the information that are in these articles. But as always, I say as always, you're not a listener, but I always do try and credit the people who've come up with some of the information and sometimes I'll say this is a bit from this article I'll I'll link to it in the show notes that sort of thing how do you find the, the topics that you discuss and sort of what makes you want to discuss a certain thing I know some of this is you helping people through your experience as well but well see, season season one I had to release a pre-season that I call season zero but season zero going into season one is the first 15 episodes of the show and that that would that I think started September uh, last year and ended with the New Year episode, which is actually season sixteen, uh, not season sixteen, sorry, <laughs> episode sixteen. Um, that was based on if I could have got away with calling it from burnout to badass or something. I'm allowed to say badass. Badass is okay. Um, but there's a book called From Burnout to Badass. I couldn't you call can the. Stop saying it now. Though. I can stop saying it. Um, <laughs> um, it means donkey. I think. That, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> bad donkey. donkey. But. If I could have got away with calling the podcast that, I probably would have went for yeah. that, but and it would have been a much, much broader um, topic. But those subjects within that one are really based on things that I that really meant something to me and that helped me get out of my own burnout situation. And then as I went on, the actually the more popular episodes I've noticed are ones where I tell it like it is, yeah. in inverted commas, and those ones are ones where I'm just basically saying... Watch. Sharing your experience. Yeah, yeah. There's an episode on manipulators or toxic people, I think it is. That's mm-hmm. a very popular one. I just did one a few weeks ago on bullying. Obviously, not yeah. just playground bullying. We're talking about workplace bullying. And that was massively popular as well. And I think I do another one on time wasters. I do one. That's a very, that's a season one show, I think. And that's very, very popular as well. So these are these are experiences I've had very directly, which I can talk about and, and warn people off. Yeah, and do you find that people like hearing more about sort of your experience and how to avoid things that you've experienced? 
I think it's a bit of both. I think what what people appreciate it seems to. I, I kind of try to assess how the audience are feeling about this, but this is obviously my my guesswork. But I think that they buy into the fact that I'm quite open about the mistakes that I make. <laughs> I'm a great one for falling into traps. And or at least in hindsight, I can see them. Or I might refer to them as traps or scams. But like as I go along, they just kind of happen to me. And I think people like to hear that whatever troubles they've got, someone else has possibly gone through the same thing. And that that always does occur to me when I release a show and I hear back from people that that even those some things that have happened to me or to other people that have reported to me and I've reported to them on the show, you do hear people writing in and get sorry you do get people writing in and saying that exact thing happened to me it was great to hear your perspective on it and I feel more confident moving forward because if I do present a problem that I've been through I do try and I do always in fact I don't try I, I do present a solution to get yourself out of it if people are willing to engage in what that solution is which is not always possible for people. Tell us what the engagement's been like I know that you have quite a big Twitter following and stuff but what is the engagement do you want me to talk, to tell the truth, or do you want me to make it sound different? <laughs> I'm I quite open about the truth, so yeah. No, I think considering your podcast yeah. is the truth. Yeah, there's a thing called accuracy of thought, which Napoleon Hill talks about. Napoleon Hill was a big productivity kind of person, right through from the twenties through to the fifties, uh, late fifties, I think. And uh, he talks about accuracy of thought, and I try to be accurate at the moment on what how things are going, and they're actually going pretty good for a solo podcaster. So season season one, which was the first fifteen episodes, I was getting maybe one hundred and twenty downloads a week. Then season by season two, uh, and I do in seasons. I had I do three months on, then three months off, kind of. Although in the off seasons, I have a few episodes going out as well called, called in between episodes, which just keep people in the loop. Um, but season two, I made that maybe went up by a hundred, so about two hundred and twenty, and I'm now about three hundred and fifty to three hundred and seventy-five. That sort of area per week, and it really depends on on the episode. I've got to be honest. Sometimes I'll release an episode and it just doesn't go down so well, and that'll drop maybe to a couple of hundred. But I think for a solo podcaster, that's actually reasonably good numbers although I'm really going to be working hard soon which is why I'm listening to marketing podcasts (laughs) on building that and I'm considering a few changes to the format to um, to specifically one thing is to bring a couple of guests in because when you're doing an interview show not with every guest I would think but the guest will help promote your show because they'll say I'm on Film Pro Productivity being interviewed this weekend, you should listen and so if they if they're an influencer, if they've got say ten thousand followers, I hate the word influencer, but it is a thing these days, <laughs> um, then they will be telling their followers to listen to the show and I would expect hopefully a, a lift in, in listenership. And of course those listeners can listen back to the first fifty episodes and that's what I find happening as well is is you'll get one new listener and they might listen to or they might download and listen to like forty or fifty episodes. So you get a big bump in listenership just from one or two people sometimes that get really into what you're saying. How difficult is uh, as a podcaster to put your podcast out there and I know you're looking at marketing now, but how difficult is it to get people to notice it and listen and Well it's it's a different it's a different skill than, than the recording. Um, the, the way I've been describing it recently is, uh, <laughs> and I've already talked to Christina about this one, but the, a baker bakes a cake and the cake's made brilliantly and it's, there's, there's skill goes into it and the ingredients go into it and they bake a great cake. That cake's not the business. That's not the baker's business. The baker's business is selling the cake, getting somebody to buy the cake and come back the next time to buy another cake. 
So it's two different skills. The selling of the cake has got nothing to do with the creating of the cake, if you know what I mean? Yeah. So this whole marketing thing is just as important as the creation of, and of course, your cake here is a radio show, my cake is a, a, a podcast, others would be a, a short film or a feature film or any, any product whatsoever in the world. And uh, we need to learn these skills and they are they might be a little bit boring to us, but if we can pick up these skills and really understand it and move dynamically with the market or find someone who will do the promotion with you or for you, ideally, then you're going to reach a much bigger audience. And the reason I'm kind of breaking it down into this is I know really brilliant um, podcasters. You've had one, I'm sure, on your show, uh, Ian O'Neill from the yes. How They Did It filmmaking podcast. He's yeah. got a He's a great guest. He's a great guy. And his show is excellent. The interviews are fantastic. And uh, he really has to work on getting people to listen to it, though, because um, not that we can... We, we put, it's kind of... Podcasters don't compare their numbers. They try not to. I think it's like <laughs> a, a, an, an unspoken rule. But good content does not guarantee a good audience. That's that's yeah. uh, That's basically what people need to realise in order that they can get people listening to the show or coming to their business or doing whatever. And Carter, you mentioned just before that some lessons with Napoleon Hill or something. So tell us a wee bit about that because you've done a whole section on that, didn't you? I had heard there was a book called The Law of Success and 16 Lessons and I thought I could do a, I could do a podcast on that. So I, I decided I was going to do it and I set out to do maybe one episode. What is it? I don't know what you're <laughs> I'll show you a pen. Right, okay, it's the same as my pen, is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah. This is this is this is what Christina's doing to try and put me off answer. So anyway, I'd heard this was I'd heard there was a book called The Law of Success and Sixteen Lessons by Napoleon Hill. And Napoleon Hill had come up with this book. It was released in nineteen twenty eight, but he'd come up with this book because Andrew Carnegie, who some of you I'm sure will know, was a Scottish American billionaire, I believe, when he died, is something like and this was in this was probably in the early 20s. I'm not sure exactly when he died. Um, it w- he'd, he'd something like $312 billion at that point, and he was, he's known as the fourth richest man in history. That's, that's, but he, he challenged Napoleon Hill to prove that success could be taught, and so Napoleon Hill went off on Andrew Carnegie's instruction and did some research, and 25 years later, after Carnegie had passed away, he came out with this book called The Law of Success in 16 Lessons, which at that point was only distributed to 118 of America's most wealthy and successful men. And those were the, and it was men, it wasn't men and women, it was men, and it wasn't distributed beyond that point. And those, I believe, were the people that he interviewed. And some say that uh, they, they then suppressed the book because they thought if it was released to the general public that it would destabilise the country. <laughs> so he then... You know, put it away, and he didn't actually release it in another form until 1937, when it was released as a book that people might know, which was. <laughs> no, I have to remember it. I did quote this earlier: uh, "Think and Grow Rich," which is the book that he's known for. But this original book that he did teaches in 16 lessons a formula for success that anyone can take on and use to make themselves successful. And I know that talking about something that was written in 1928 sounds like it couldn't be further from anything we could use today. But the reality was that when I got into this book, I realised that I was dealing with absolute gold. And a lot of what I was reading there read as if it had been written this morning. So it's 16 lessons. And I did 
and I, ha- I couldn't do it in one show. I tried to do it in two. I then tried to do it in four and, re- <laughs> and realised I had to make one third of season three. It's an 18 episode show. Six episodes right in the middle are the law of success and 16 lessons by Napoleon Hill. And he goes through these lessons, which you have to kind of stop after each lesson. The lower cover two or three in each show. If you stop after each lesson and consider what he's been saying and, and go, how can I apply this to my life and my work and my future? And, and actually use it, you, you, I swear, could use all of his advice in today's world to get where you want to go. And success, incidentally, I was a little criticised by someone for releasing it because they thought success was money. Success yeah. is whatever you need it to be. Success can be building a, uh, uh, a happy family life. Yeah. Success can, can be making money. Success can be creative. What I would say for any creatives listening, though, is don't dismiss money. Make yeah, make make, make a goal of earning a certain amount of money when you set yourself a a, a goal to to aim for because I think it becomes a dirty word in our, yeah. our our world and that's what means you're going to be sitting for two years editing a feature film you made for thirty pence yeah you know no. but but you can you can build into what you're doing plans which involve making enough money to achieve what you want to achieve that makes sense but it's not about money it's about success in whatever form that means and it's just i did listen to the lessons and i actually found them really relevant for now probably more so than they were then just because of the world we live in i think we're more aware now than they were then um I think we've got access to so much information and we're experiencing the world at a much faster pace that in 1928 a lot of these people hadn't travelled a lot of these people were just living in their own small communities and maybe had a small community mindset and what the law of success or the so I keep you've got to be careful not to call it the law of success or the the 16 laws of success it is the law of success and 16 lessons on how to achieve it but I think for these people that were reading it um in 1928 and and no, in fact, what I'm saying, they weren't reading it. They yeah. didn't get it. I think for those that, that it was released to, they wouldn't. They, they would have just it would have blown their minds potentially. <laughs> I don't. I went. I gave a terrible answer there, but hopefully there's some sense in it. No, don't give the the lessons away because people need to go and listen to the podcast. But give people a sort of quick idea of what they would be getting without um, giving it away. I'll give a couple of samples of it. Um, the the second lesson in it is what. Later, later on in life, Napoleon Hill changed his second lesson to being his first lesson, and that was that if you want to have success, you need to have a definite chief aim in life. You don't just wander through life and see what happens to you. You make a plan and then you aim for it. With you know, there's a lot of um, positivity and productivity quotes out there that say you know, if if you want to achieve something, you need to navigate your way towards it and things like that, avoiding the rocks and reefs. <laughs> along the way and and that but that is the point that he's making in it if you've got something to aim for you can work directly towards it if you're if you're unclear on what your goal is you're going to be distracted by everything you're going to be finding yourself caught up in stuff which doesn't um help you towards that end or you're going to be caught up in stuff where you're really getting manipulated to help someone else achieve their goals and dreams and not yeah. your own and that that's kind of encapsulates uh 
as well the the very first the, the really only a talk about one thing in the first episode and that is having high what I call high level thinking or what I called at that point high level thinking which a lot of other productivity experts call intelligent thought and it's the premise that you can work on your life and career at the same time that you're living and working in it and just stopping every now and again to assess how you're getting on rather than helping everybody else, but to stop and look at your own life and career and kind of take a breather, breather from it for a few minutes and look at how you're getting on. Some people do it weekly. There's a, 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 a I can't remember the system, but it's a, the, it's an executive uh, executive time or something like that they call it and it's where you take 15 minutes each week just to stop and look back and see what you've achieved and what you need to do to move on so that all ties together with this having a definite chief aim in life if you know what you're aiming for you can say no to the stuff that doesn't further your goals and dreams unless you want to do it and help people or have fun or whatever uh, and it means you can say no to the wrong things, say yes to the right things, and stop yourself getting sidetracked and manipulated and having your time wasted as well. Therefore, you'll achieve what you're aiming for much quicker. You sound like you, you're saying that as though that's something that you do now. Do you... I do, but it's not easy <laughs> because you can have a plan, but things will happen. Life will get in the way. Illness might get in the way. Family life might change. A situation might change financially or whatever along the way. So you can have a plan, but it's okay to change and alter that plan. It's it's the action of intelligent thought, as I say, working on your life and career at the same time you're living and working in it means that as life change and changes and adapts, that you change with it and you you could, you might get sidetracked for a while because you have to take care of a, of a uh, an ill relative or whatever but you can still make sure that you're moving towards your end goal at the same time you can still find a little bit of time perhaps each week for yourself or for ensuring that you move even incrementally forward towards what you're trying to achieve yeah. so i do i do apply it i applied it in fact on this season of the show because um, I did end up working on a massive amount of television work and film work, and I, I I get a lot of work, but this was this was crazy. And unfortunately, I was in a situation where I was also trying to record the show at the same time. So my chief aim at that point was to reach a point where the the season would be recorded, and every day I was looking at how I could move just a little bit closer towards it, and I did incrementally every day move towards it and complete the recording as well. You do all of the, the research and everything yourself, don't you? Yeah. How much do you like doing the research? Do you uh, enjoy I do, it? I do like doing the research. The thing is, when you're doing 20 other things, it, it's very, very time intensive. So you need to stop everything else and just focus on that, which, of course, is a very very specific productivity technique, which is not to multitask. Multitasking is a bad thing. You want to stick to the one thing till it's completed and then move on. I know I know people think that multitasking is a really useful skill. It's it's less useful than just focusing on one thing at a time and moving on, but you have to have a very specific mindset to do that. Did that answer the question? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, uh, you enjoy the research. Uh, yeah, the research, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, you, so the, the, yeah, no, the research is good because I get a whole load of information that the other that, that doesn't get delivered to you. I have to pick and choose from what I'm going to deliver to the to the audience mm -hmm. that are listening. So I, I get maybe a broader perspective on what I release to people, and then I try and choose from that. So I do enjoy it. It's just very very time consuming, and 
in the next season I'm actually going to do a little bit of a tester I'm going to do an episode called Delegate This yeah. because I'm not great at delegating and I'm going to hire two people to write an episode each just uh, what I'm saying is they're really researching the episode so I'm kind of not going to have the fun of researching it but um, it, it just might help me to produce more content yeah. if, I can have, if I can have a few people working on the content that I I'm mean, producing. If you do all the work yourself how much of your time goes into the podcast? your own time the reality is kind of every spare moment that i had um went into it and i kind of have i didn't i went off the piece on um on the napoleon hill thing but yeah. i can come back to that if you want but yeah, yeah. there's a thing there's another show i talk about um and i, and I learned this from a, a productivity expert called isaiah hankel who's fantastic he just calls it like it is he's really really great but he talks about um mental energy and how we must protect it. So, although I have got the time to do more research, I don't have the brain capacity yeah. to take more information in. And so it's separating the fact that you might not have enough time to do something from the fact you don't have enough mental energy to do something. Because every day you start with a finite amount of mental energy and it gets worn out throughout the day. So uh, you might find this yourself. If you're tackling things at night, you might have less um, ability to get get make it happen or energy to make it happen or drive as opposed to if you did it maybe when you were more awake so um protecting your mental energy um again i've gone way off where we're talking about it's just a really really important thing for what we're dealing yeah, with yeah. And, and so um yeah that's i don't know if that's no no that makes sense it was just how how much time goes into the podcast I, yeah, a lot of time goes into it but Pretty much all of my mental energy goes into it, I've, but I've still got time at the end of the day to watch some TV and stuff because really I'm spent and can't do much yeah, else. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what has been your favourite episode of all the episodes you've done so far? What's been your favourite? Uh, or your favourite subject to cover? Well, the mental energy one was was particularly interesting to me. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> How many episodes have you done in total? There's... 51 out at the moment okay so that's hard to pick just a favorite for that so maybe yeah there's there's themes and things with within it um so what's the thing that stand sticks out in your head that I th well let me just the, the second episode that I ever did is about saying no and i talked about it a little bit earlier and it was something i had a problem with <laughs> and what i would find is that my automatic answer when someone randomly asked me to do something was yeah no problem i'll help you out and the thing is, that kills any spare time and mental mental energy you've got. So, I suppose that's that is a subject I find myself talking about again and again and again to people is learning to say no. And I had to train myself to say no, because it's and, and the way I trained myself was like going into Greg's and you can get a coffee and if if you add a cake, it's like thirty pence extra. So that you would say, can I have a coffee? And then they'd go, do you want a cake mm -hmm. with that? And you do end up going, yes, please. So I trained myself to start saying no at the level of going no thank you to these people and that allowed me then later in life to intelligently kind of go um this person's asking me for help on something my default is is going to be no I, I can't help you and the reason is what happens if you say yes to everything is you end up letting people down you, yeah. you lose all your spare time yourself, but you start committing to things that you can't actually give your time to and you're not only going to lose lose your spare time trying to do this but you're very possibly going to let the person down that you've said yes to as well been the hardest subject for you to cover like what has been the one that you found well most recently it was i did an episode episode on bullying or it was called bullying and the silent majority it's episode 46 or 47 somewhere around there 
might be it might be earlier. I don't really, don't really remember. I've done a lot, but uh, that I I thought I could cover that in like twenty odd minutes because there's a few professional experiences where I'd I'd faced what I would now regard as bullying at, at the time. I didn't really notice what was going on, and but as I got into that though, I, I just realised it was a massive massive topic. So that ended up being my longest episode to date. Most of my episodes incidentally are like twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty yeah. minutes, maybe as long as thirty minutes. But that ended up being thir- uh, fifty minutes long, and it's because I not only dis- the thing is in my head these experiences have been dismissed and I've got over them. So I had to kind of start looking back at experiences that I could use as examples to the listener and I just kept on finding more and more and more of them and as I did that I realised there was more and more kind of I could say about the topic so it was difficult in that I mean I knew what I wanted to say but it was difficult in that I didn't realise kind of like the Napoleon Hill thing when I started just how big a topic it really was and it's the sort of thing another podcaster might have split over two shows but I just felt it was too important to leave um, and yeah. I sort of stayed into it. And instantly, it's called bullying and the silent majority because the point really I, I wanted to make when I started it was based on um, a quote of Martin Luther King's. And he said, The time will come where you remember not the words of your enemies, but the silence of your friends. And in these bullying experiences that I've had, I don't really remember the words of the bullies, these horrible people. Some of them I knew were horrible people and they just decided to turn on me in that instance. But what I remembered most when I was doing the episode was the people who didn't stand up and defend me, that didn't help me when I was a young person starting in this industry, who should have. And it's those people that I, you know, I'm wary of these days as opposed to the bullies themselves who are, who, you know, the word bully... Sometimes it can be misinterpreted how you're how you're reading someone's behaviour. Sometimes they might just be kind of naturally large characters, but some sometimes it comes down to them actually being bullying. And bullying these days, of course, is quite sophisticated as well. You get this. I, I refer to it as, and I know people don't like the word, but snowflake kind yeah. of thing, where you can be accused of being a bully or a racist or whatever, but really it's just trying to stop you making your point, you know, it's to throw you off, it's to manipulate you. So bullying, is, it, it just was a much, much broader subject than I actually considered when I started it. And it's strange because bullying, I know people think it's something that happens in school and stuff, but actually it happens so much amongst adults that people don't realise, do they? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a and huge it, thing. It isn't just physical threat. I know, although I do yeah. know of a film pro that, was it this year? Or, I think it was. It was maybe this, this year? year or last year um, where a film professional friend of mine was physically threatened by someone else because this other person assumed they had deliberately done something wrong, whereas the other person had the wrong end of the stick entirely. And But it turned it into, it turned into quite a big thing and, and the friend of mine ended up leaving the show um, because of this bully and they didn't, the, the production company didn't fire the bully. Yeah. And the reality was, because the situation was witnessed by a producer, that that person should have been fired or suspended or punished in some way. And it ended up that my friend had to leave the production, not because he was frightened of this person, but because he thought, this is a production that doesn't support me. But but the the more subtle part of uh, bullying, perhaps, like the snowflake thing I was mentioning, um, is eye-rolling, things like that, subtly undermining your authority and stuff, when when not in your eye-line. Yeah. Is is a is becomes quite a dangerous problem somewhere down the line. Yeah, I mean, is there support for people who are being bullied? I mean, because I know I have some. I know someone who considered leaving their job. They're not in the film industry, but they considered leaving their job. But 
I know in the industry, in the film industry, there's support, isn't there? There's, yeah, there's, there's, well, equity back to, and there's a medical partner of uh, equities called BAPAM, B-A-P-A-M, and they are, they, are, they are there to support technical crew and actors mm-hmm. specifically. Um, but but let's face it, you, you, you can Google bullying. And by the way, I'm talking about anti-bullying. <laughs> <laughs> this is not how to learn how to bully, yeah. but how to you know deal with bullies specifically. But there, is, there, are, there are a million, not maybe not a million, there are a lot of websites out there specifically yeah. to help people. And if you're in a situation where you think you need help, just a little bit of research, getting a position, uh, getting your head into a place where it can deal with the bully. There's, there's things, bits of advice like rehearsing what you're going to say to the bully next time they try and put you on the spot. There, there are very simple things that you can do to be ready for this situation, put people in their place. And who was it? Uh, uh, there's a, a story I tell, I can't remember the specifics of it, but Michael Caine did something on a feature film and he'd heard that the director liked to shout at people but before they started shooting this film Michael hadn't been bullied or hadn't had this situation arise but he confronted the director before shooting the film and said I hear you like to shout at people, I don't like to be shouted at and Michael Caine was never shouted at on that film set even by a director that had a reputation for doing this so kind of you can kind of cut some of these problems off at the pass and and although it sounds like a cliche like school book for primary (laughs) school children but a lot of the time when you stand up to the bully and they realise that you actually aren't going to take it, they will back off. They are looking for vulnerability and they're looking to make themselves feel better through pushing other people's buttons. Yeah, and you, I mean, you spoke about the silent majority as well, the people that don't stand up when they see people being bullied. Yeah. What advice would you give to people about that? That, that you should stand up. Because you'll feel guilty about it later if you don't. I'm sure there are situations in the past where I could have spoken up, and 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 the thing is, I know what's in people's heads is why they don't speak out. They don't speak out. There's a there's a very specific situation that I've seen time and time again in the theatre when I was working a lot in the theatre, and and less so these days. But I have certainly experienced it myself in the last year. If you find yourself in that silent majority, it's it's not necessarily because you're a bad person. There's a specific situation that I've seen arise time and time again, and that is that if you're working with someone who's got a reputation for being difficult or being a bully or being just horrible, that while they are attacking someone else, they're not attacking you. So it is easy for you to keep quiet about things. And what what I'd say to you if you're in that situation is don't stay quiet. You can step in, you can say, let's, you know, let's leave this for now or whatever. You can also have a conversation with the person who's effectively bullying someone else later and say, I was there, this happened, this wasn't appropriate. And maybe that person might not have realised that they were being bullish or bullish when they did that. Uh, and maybe they will go and, and, and apologise perhaps to the person who was being bullied. But you, you have a voice and you can use it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so a few more wee things before we go. Is there another season coming up? Yeah, season... Season four will be launching end of March, I'd imagine, maybe beginning of April. I just need to make sure it's not coming out on the 1st of April. <laughs> I'll have to look at my dates. Um, and that is going to be, that'll be a 12 season show. Some of those are going to be interviews. And I've got some topics for that, but I'm not really, I'm not going to say what they are because honestly, you get into one topic and then you get sidetracked into yeah. another. But I'm looking for like productivity authors or potentially some other cre- uh, creative professionals to interview, but really on the subject of um, productivity. And, and obviously, it's it's quite a niche 
uh, conversation that I need to have. So yeah. I need to pick the right guests. But before that, in the in the in the season break, I'm going to be releasing at least three um, in between episodes. So there'll be one in January. I think is going to be a second mailbag episode because the first mailbag was just released in season three there, and it was very very popular. I've also got an interview I'm going to do with Ian O'Neill from the How They Did It Filmmaking podcast because Ian's experienced in interviewing people. So I figure if I interview him and I get my equipment working correctly, he can keep me right on it. And I can then take that experience on to interviewing other people. And then the third one, I haven't quite decided where I'm going to be with that one. But I've got like 20. I only need to do 12 shows and I've got 20 uh, possible so you uh, don't know ideas at all? No, it's it's interesting how they become... You get more ideas as you go along and, and you get sidetracked into into one area when actually you think you're going to be talking about another. And tell us, why should people listen to the other episodes that have, that have gone? How many episodes is there? There's, how, well, there's 51 episodes at, at this point and it's just a bank of information. They aren't long, so they, they really there's there's some episodes as short as like nine minutes. Mm-hmm. But generally, I would say you know you need about twenty minutes spare in your in your day to listen to them. And quite often, that's a car journey for people driving to work or from work. Is commonly when people listen to or walking in and out or cycling, whatever it may be. Walking the dog is when I listen to mine. <laughs> but there's just a massive bank of productivity advice, very specifically. Um, chosen by me to de- to deliver to the to the listener, and it should engage you and, and make you think about things. This higher level thinking, this 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 thinking outside of yourself, and and working on you, making yourself the project to make you better. It's it's covered throughout the episodes, and there's bound to be at least ten of the episodes covered this this far that you're going to be really getting your teeth into. And we should point out at this point that your dog is super popular. You talked about your dog. Angus, And he is yeah. very, very popular. Yeah. Um, but what advice would you give to people? Um, I, I, I'm just going to say just now that I recommend that people listen to this, whether they're in the film industry or not, just because going into the new year, it, it will be a good start to get you up and running in the new year. But what advice would you give to people for the new year and the new decade? What advice personally would you give to people? Well, I, I did a... Uh, last year's New Year's special was on a book by Jenny Ditzler called My Best Year Yet, and it's like six pound on Amazon. You could probably get it, and you you probably probably get it by the end of the, the day on Amazon if you're listening <laughs> to this. Uh, the, it's good because it talks about planning your year ahead. So I was talking earlier about um, having a definite chief goal in life. You know, ten years from now, five years from now, or twenty years from now. But uh, I'd say don't put it too far in the future because you'll change your mind in 10 years. <laughs> but Jenny breaks it down so you have a definite goal to aim for in, in one year. And then she can, will, will help you to decide uh, a few goals to hit along the way, like sub-goals to help you get there you, you, so you're achieving things. So th- thinking about your year ahead as a... Um, as 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 a a way as something you need to navigate your way through and hit a certain point a few certain points along the way would be helpful. Um, does that answer the question? That that um, that's only yeah, one episode that I'm that talking about. But have it have a definite chief aim. Say no to things that don't further that aim. Uh, allow um, prioritize the stuff that matters. You know, there's there's a, a another kind of productivity tool called the Eisenhower Matrix. You can just Google it; you'll see it. <laughs> and it's it basically is saying um, it makes you separate the 
important from the unimportant and the urgent from the non-urgent and it helps you to prioritize what you need to do um like you know when i was doing the show there i needed to prioritize getting the show done so that i could then move on to doing some life things but some of those life things had to take over you know work came in and was a priority i had to write risk assessments for the tv shows and stuff that i was working on and therefore i couldn't work on the podcast even though i wanted to so prioritizing your way through life saying no to the things that don't matter and knowing where you're going they're they're really key key things and try and keep good keep good care of your health and your mental health along the way as well otherwise you could find yourself getting straight back into burnout no matter how many productivity techniques that you're using sometimes you can try to apply too many at once and that becomes really quite difficult in itself but you are a big advocate for mental health as well and this is quite a positive mental health podcast isn't it yeah yeah no i very specifically talk about that um and uh, I actually came up with an acronym. There's, there's, a, there's a thing, I think it was a European Union thing. Are we allowed to talk about the European Union? Is it Brexit yet? <laughs> oh, I'm not allowed to talk about Brexit, probably. I don't know. It's radio. <laughs> I don't think but, anybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, uh, there was a bit of research done that's, that's, that came up with this thing called Five a Day for Good Mental Health. And I do, episode four is actually about that. And I came up with the acronym ALIVE for it. So if... if it's a good thing to talk with people and to help remember it, that act, the acronym alive is A is active, stay active, keep doing stuff. L is, uh, I think that's look look about, observe the world round about you. I is interact, that's interact with other people. V is um, volunteer. Now, volunteering doesn't mean you have to work every week in a charity <laughs> shop. It could just mean helping the old women off the bus with a shopping yeah. or something that's something that it makes you feel better i mean obviously i go a bit far on this one by producing a whole podcast <laughs> about it but uh you don't have to go that far just doing a few things that, that will make you feel better and and feed your kind of battery your inner battery of of good feeling towards yourself and and the world uh and that was v and e is educate keep learning keep learning new things if you're learning new things it keeps your mind engaged in stuff so that's the alive acronym active look about and observing the world around about you is watch a sunset stop for a minute um observe a sunset or a a sunrise stop and smell a flower v volunteers say help that person off the bus whatever um uh, did a jump one interact interact (laughs) with other people is i and e educate keep learning yeah especially in this industry the interaction thing as well a lot of people don't it's a very the lonely industry, isn't it? Well, I, I've I've mixed you know before um, in the through screenwriters, Scottish screenwriters, yeah. and what I love about Scottish screenwriters is that they um, don't sit behind a computer with a cup of coffee in one hand and a fag in the other, and somehow type out their, their yeah. screenplays. They actually get out of the house and they come and meet other screenplays and inter- screenplays. What's a screenplay? I don't even know what a screenplay is. <laughs> screenwriters and they interact with people, and the same could be said for other people that work in this industry if you're stuck at a computer screen grading all day yeah. and I've worked with graders and they don't get allowed to leave you know this they don't get allowed to leave the desk they get right. their food brought to them because the hour that they're working yeah. is the hour that could could be working on the show so they work really really long hours and interacting with other humans that are not just in your uh, work environment is a good thing for all of us yeah. most importantly before we go sorry I just clicked that yeah what's going on sorry most importantly, where can people listen to the show? Where can they find out more about it? Well, it's it's they say mo- most podcasters listen to iTunes and <laughs> and not most podcast most, 
most podcast listeners are on iTunes, and that's if you've got if you've got an Apple phone of any type, it's already got it on it. It's no longer referred to as iTunes; it's Apple Podcasts yeah. is where it appears. It used to be called iTunes, and, and the reviews kind of seem to end up there. But Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's on basically every single app that's available. Just look it up your app, and you can. Most of these apps are free as well. If you've never never listened to a podcast, try Podbean would be one. Uh, there's there's loads of them. You can even just do a Google search if you don't ha- if you don't like using a mobile phone. Do a Google search and look up Film Pro Productivity. Put podcast on it, and you'll get a whole load of online resources you can listen to it as well. And the 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 official website where you can listen to all of it as well through your desktop or through your phone is filmproproductivity.com. And they can get you on social media as well, can't they? They can. I am. To be honest, Twitter seems to be where it's at. I've got an, an awful lot of listeners uh, or s- subscribers there anyway. Whether they all listen or not is a different question. <laughs> But uh, that's at FilmProProdPod, or my personal account is at Fight underscore Director. And there's also Facebook, which is just at, at FilmProProductivity on Facebook. Yep. So quickly tell people again how they should li- why they should listen to the podcast. If you want to beco- become more efficient, effective, and happy in your life, then this show will give you the tools you need to achieve what you want to achieve, find the success you want to find, and move forward positively and directly towards your goals. Christina Littleson, Pulse 98.4.